for all of your TNA needs, head to tensandaces.com. Are you ready for some TNA? Not from the high desert or the great American Southwest. Bid you good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever the case may be, depending on what time zone you reside in worldwide. This is not Coast to Coast AM, and I'm not Art Bell. And thank God I'm not George Nori either. I am, however, Mike, and this is the Tens and Aces podcast. If you're west of the Rockies, you can call the show and leave a voicemail at 518-289-0478. East of the Rockies, call 518-289-0478. To reach us on the wildcard line, call 518-289-0478. And to reach us on the first-time caller line, dial 518-289-0478. Hey there, listeners. Thanks for indulging me in that little uh, exercise in homage to the late, great Art Bell. That's a fun way for me to give out the voicemail line for you guys to call. Feel free to call. Leave a message. If you have a question, if you have a complaint, tell even a joke. Just leave a message. My friends and I aren't your average blackjack players. We're all APs, which, if you don't know, stands for advantage player. As in, we play with a mathematical edge or advantage over the house. Yep, card counters, that would be us. On this podcast, I'm going to bring you true life stories about the AP life. There'll be stories of all the times we fucked up. Stories when we made out like bandits. Stories of losing more in one session than a lot of people make in a year. Stories of getting backed off in one shoe. Stories of average Joes out here doing this card counting thing with some of us crushing it and some of us just making our way through it. So if this is the kind of shit you want to hear, well listen up because we're about to give you some TNA. Welcome to the Tens and Aces podcast. I'm your host. My name is Mike. In this transmission of our attempt at imaginary radio, I interview Soju, who is a relatively new advantage play blackjack player, which I find interesting myself because I think he offers us a unique perspective of someone who is a competent counter, but they still see things through fresher eyes. And I think we can all learn from that. So this is the kind of shit you want to hear. Listen up. Because we're about to give you some TNA. With me today is Soju. Hey, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. So if you could tell the listeners and myself a little bit about your journey, that would be awesome. I learned about card counting because I had friends in high school uh, and they were dealers at the time and I was still finishing up high school. Um, and they told pot me dealer? they were they were, they were uh, card dealers at a local. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Not Sorry, bad well, joke. I had a couple gotcha. of those friends as well, but... Yeah, didn't we all, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. 
so there was a small card room here and it's, it's now gone. It used to be a bowling alley and I had a couple friends that worked there and they would tell me stories about what's called card counters. I would come in, take a bunch of money from them and they would be have to be backed off from the pit boss. And from then I got curious about it. And one of the dealer's brother, uh, actually, he was a card counter and he would tell me stories about how he would take money from another local place here, which they don't have games anymore because of that which sucks and I, I kind of went from there uh, I went to college uh, moved over to the east coast went to college and I read a book called KO and it was supposed to be an easy way to learn how to count cards and then I still didn't know what the hell I was doing but I read the book I tried my best I just know that you know you don't have to convert to a true count um, I had very tiny bankroll a couple hundred bucks I'll take uh, the Chinatown bus from Canal Street to Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut, and it'll be a two and a half hour drive there. I would play. They had an eight deck game. I didn't even understand like that the rules affected the game. I didn't understand penetration. Uh, none of that. So needless to say, I was a losing player for a long time. Right. So what uh, got you to be a winning player, do you think? Yeah. So what got me to be a winning player finally is, I would say about 10 years later is when I wondered if people are actually still doing this as a living and counting cards and I was just working my nine to five grind and then I found BJA and all these videos that would pop up on YouTube and I just kept on doing more and more research uh, and then I finally decided to join I want to say about about a year now it's been since I joined BJA and then I learned from start to finish using Colin's videos, um, training suite, and then just having my wife deal to me every day, um, using the app when I'm at work for a few hours during lunch and whenever I could fit that in. And, and that's how I really got started. By the time they came around, I already had my game good to go, but their forum has been invaluable to me for networking and talking and shop and whatever that it's one of the best forums around. Very few trolls. I really appreciate the work that they've done over there. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. Like, I didn't realize that until maybe seven months into training. I wasn't even on the forums. I would check it every so once in a while, but it was just mo mainly watching the videos and then doing the training suite. And then everybody would ha tell me, like, you need a network. That's, like, the most important aspect of it. And then I just felt like, mm -hmm. ah, no, they don't want it. They don't want to help me. Like, yeah. Yeah. The, so the value of the forums um, came into play later on. I wish I just started earlier in networking as soon as I was done with the, all the training drills, especially knowing that there's a lot of APs in this area where we live. And I got to meet you just recently. And I just noticed like a post one day where uh, Whiskey, he, he wanted to have like a network going of people to meet up in person and, and talk about uh, car counting. So that's wh where I started, uh, but definitely regret starting uh, later. So uh, who's ever out there counting right now and just beginning, um, I would definitely try to network as soon as possible, especially with people in your area. Absolutely, man, because that's it's so key. Especially when you get further down in your career or further along down the lines in your career and you're backed off a lot of places that are local to you or then you'll have the network will, will help you find other AP opportunities besides counting. So if you maybe make a four hour drive somewhere that you'll know, OK, so you're not exactly sure on the blackjack opportunities, but you know that, you know, there's this whole card game or there's this, uh, which I guess is blackjack, but not always. But you know what I'm saying? There's other yeah. the network is so. Okay. 
Plus, you know, if you're in another market, the locals are going to tell you, hey, stay away from this place. That place is great, but don't go there on swing shift. Look for this guy. He looks like this. Play this game. Don't play that game. Look for this dealer. They give amazing pen, that kind of thing, you know. It, yeah, it's no, so it, valuable. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's exactly what I did uh, with just pen at our local shops here. Um, what to do with, you know, cashing out. Um, and, like, every casino has their limits. And some, like, smaller casinos you can only cash out a certain amount before they want id and, and su just super helpful to know that information beforehand um, before you get yourself um, into something you don't want to even larger casinos there's one in particular they're one of the largest casinos around and they used to not even blink you cash out four grand whatever mm -hmm. five grand they wouldn't even they wouldn't even blink or ask for id or player's card now at 500 bucks they ask for id you got to kind of be you know, cash out 400 here, 450 there, you know, you're not structuring, you're just, there's nothing wrong with it. Not, there's nothing wrong with not wanting them to show your ID for purposes of them not knowing who you are. It's not yeah. like you're trying to hide your money from them. So you won't hit the CTR threshold. It's just, you got to kind of cash out some one day and go back or have somebody else cash out 400 bucks or whatever. It's just, it's kind of a pain. Yeah. So. I mean, for longevity purposes, I think it's definitely important if you don't want to be backed off too early or even trespass. Uh, Cause I know that they have a really good game. I've been, uh, I've been walked out of there since COVID like four times. So, you know, and I go back in with a different disguise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I liked your post on the forum where um, the disguise happens and presto changeo in the bathroom. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's exactly. So recently, I heard through a little birdie that you had a really big hit playing Lucky Ladies Blackjack, and you hit the two queens of hearts, which for people who don't know, on a shoe game, it pays 125 to 1. Um, it's a side bet, and if the dealer has your blackjack, it pays 1,000 to 1. So I believe you hit that recently. I did. It, the birdie was correct. Yes. Um, and it was actually this past Friday. Went there in the afternoon. I've always been playing uh, Lucky Ladies games. And there's another one called King's Bounty, which is similar. Mm -hmm. Just you have to get two king of spades in order to hit the jackpot with the uh, blackjack. How that came about was it's just another day, uh, local shop, uh, just playing. My spread, I just recently upped it um, to... 1 by 5, 1 by 10 to about 2 by 150. And then when it gets to about true count 7, I would put 2 by 125 and then 2 by 75 on the side bets. And it was a dealer that we we all know. He gives great pen, about 7.5 decks out of 8. It was uh, a few hands before the lucky ladies uh, that I hit. I got two queen of spades. I had the side bet up for $75. And that one pays, uh, since the match suited uh, 19 to 1, I got paid $1,425. And then the count you still were stayed high. You were probably still ecstatic about that, right? Just getting I that hit, just, right? I was just happy with that because I was planning on wrapping up the shoe, taking that home, and then calling it a, a day. And I, mm -hmm. very, yeah, I was super excited. And literally two hands later, I get the, again, True count was at eight this time, and the cut card was about to come out. The first queen of hearts comes on the table, and there was three other players with me. And then once I saw that second queen of hearts, I blacked out a little bit, and then everyone was screaming at the table. And I was just sitting there trying to figure out if that was the actual 
two queen of hearts, uh, which it was. <laughs> um, but then the dealer had an eight up, so I knew I didn't hit the jackpot. It was one below the jackpot, which, like you just said, pays 125 to one. Mm-hmm. So then uh, it was 9,375. Uh, they nice. made me w- they made me wait like 30 minutes, and I could feel like people like walking around talking and uh, people congratulating me and. Uh, the the pit boss actually asked me like do you do you want to do you want me to take a picture of you and I was just like and I was just scared thinking they're gonna catch me card counting no. <laughs> yeah so I was like no I'm good I'll I'll take the money instead so eventually security came and they had a bunch of purple chips and they cashed me out there uh, and I immediately left the table mm-hmm. to, to get very- my money. It's very common if somebody hits a big bet like that that they have to review surveillance. Has, it's they shut the table down for half an hour, forty minutes. Our our good buddy Snowman, mm-hmm. um, he hit. It's funny you mentioned the King's Bounty game at a casino south of where you were playing uh-huh. in the summertime. He, he hit the King's Bounty bet with four thousand to one with ten dollars on, and that shut that table down for about. 45 minutes. He wasn't as ballsy as you are to throw $75 out there. I think it was about the same. It was probably, I think it was like an eight when he hit it too. So uh, oh, okay. how did you, What? where did you come? I'm just curious mm-hmm. where you came to the idea of throwing $75 on there versus like 10 or a quarter. Yeah. Um, so I didn't find out until afterwards that I was uh, putting a lot up there for a side bet. So how that started was I, I saw Colin's video. It was with Ben. It's a pretty old video about what the odds were and when to actually bet it. And then he said it was about true count six and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. But most people wait until True Count 7. And then there was a PDF. I want to say um, Wizard of Odds. Uh, they had a PDF. It would show that it was at True 7. It was about 3, 3.2%. I could be wrong on those numbers. Don't quote me on that. And when I was looking at my True Count, uh, like True Count 6 is about 3%. And my top bets are going out. So in my mind, I'm like, well, can't I just put... Uh, like my top bets to match that if they would allow me. And so that was my train of thought. And that's what made me put that much money out there, um, just depending on what my uh, max bet was on my regular bet. Yeah, you were slightly over betting, but you know know what, Matt? It worked out. A lot of places won't let you put more in a quarter because they don't want to have a big hit like you had. Um, I know a few spots I've been to, and I literally had to ask a few times, uh, like, you're only going to let me bet $25? And then they just looked at me crazy. So Yeah, really, it's a, it's a sucker bet. So they should let people bet whatever they want up to table max, really. Uh, because, you know, not that you were playing it as a sucker, because obviously you're only betting it because it was a true eight. But 99.9% of the people out there, they're not doing that. <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, you know, it's always mystify me how they they leave money on the table because people want to bet money but they restrict them they restrict double downs they restrict surrender they restrict blitz when most people play those wrong so they're going to put more money out and play wrong but you don't want to let them do it because yeah it's a game protection it's it makes no anyway, sense. A side tirade <laughs> <laughs> well anyway nice hit man that that's great so are you still going to bet 75 dollars on it now oh uh, i mean after um learning that i was over betting it i probably won't bet that big especially because it raises heat um and and before that uh i was actually betting a hundred dollars and, and maxing out on those two spots i remember a time when there was four pit bosses that kind of was just watching from the the pit area in the middle i was just losing my ass on those side bets and they kind of walked away 
feeling bad for me. <laughs> I don't know if that raises heat or they it's cover because it is over betting. I think they may you may look like a ploppy. But I, yeah. I don't know. Look, looking back, if, they, if anything, they it thought may, it was. Second thought though, it may make just just because the amount of the action at that place often they may just pay attention to you more because of you betting that then they may watch your actual game more. But that place is the place that I worry least about. It's like one of the only places I still play carded at because I don't even care about their, I can sit there. I feel like I could sit there and talk about card counting with the floor and they wouldn't even care. Yeah, Not that I'm really going to do that, but they're really lax there. No, I mean, they're very tolerant with card counters there. Uh, I've heard with um, another card counter, uh, they literally walked up to him and asked him, hey, what's the count right now? And just let him play. So if they don't care, then I don't care. You know, I'll, I'll just keep going. I know when Colin first started out, he was telling me that that was his like first place where it was like his nine to five. He'd go get a coffee, sit down for like months and he finally got backed off eventually. You know, that was that was a long time ago. But yeah, he told me that story. That exact place was his like first office card counting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just glad that we're allowed there and they'll uh, continue letting us work there. Right on. It's probably because they know they have pretty shitty games, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, for their eight decks, uh, some days it's just like watching paint dry. It's just, it's a drag. Yeah, you you won't have, you won't be able to ramp at all for like hours, maybe like the last hand or two before they shuffle. But I mean, the pen, post-COVID, post the pen there is fantastic. It's, I was talking to, he was saying how he found this great, he was talking about, yeah, I found this table and it was, they're cutting off a deck and a half and it was great out of six. And I'm like deck and a half out of six that's not around here we would we would snub our noses at that oh yeah for sure he's like really i was like yeah man you could find eight decks with four 40 cards cut off you know certain oh, dealers yeah, like, yeah it, deck, it just a deck imp- and a half around here is just like i i don't tend to play those at all i mean we're spoiled for sure we are from talking to other people there there was some saying that they would they don't like it but they would play two decks cut off if they had to, I'm like, man, I wouldn't even sit down. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm with you. I wouldn't touch those games. For us, it would be a waste of money just because we know right down the street, you know, you have another casino that'll cut only a deck or less. So a lot of times on these podcasts, it's like people just tell stories where they win all the time. They never tell the bad stories, the negative stories. You and I were kind of talking a little bit about that before we started recording here for the podcast. Do you have any like negative stories that maybe a younger AP? Yeah, no, absolutely. I know everyone on the forums, on videos, call in. They tell you to make sure you have a perfect game before you put your money out there. And of course, I just want to get out there as soon as possible and get that excitement of playing and and i know for the first like 200 i want to say 250 hours i wasn't playing a perfect game and i just remember the month of june i'll never forget it lost 70 hours straight uh and for me and for my bankroll which is small uh i remember losing 7100 dollars in that month and it was like devastating for me uh but looking back on it now I know that I wasn't playing a perfect game. So my advice would be definitely, you know, do a test out with somebody. Make sure you're playing a perfect game. It's completely different in a casino atmosphere as as opposed to just, you know, a girlfriend or friend dealing you out at home. So that would be my best advice. And my other advice would be to trust the math. Uh, It's hard when you're on losing streaks, when you're hitting a negative variance, you feel like the math doesn't work and 
there were times where I felt like, I don't think this is working. You know, I need to just stop and then cut my losses, uh, take whatever little money that I made from the casino and call it a day. Yeah, for sure, man. You got to trust the math. Even people have been doing this a while, like me and the snowman, you start, you get like a crazy shoe or maybe a night of shoes where it's like the most important, you get a deuce every time you double down, dealer pulls 20 every, you know, it seems in your brain. And you just, it's, I think it's human nature to start thinking, man, they got to be cheating me. What's going on here? What am, what, maybe this doesn't work. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. but bottom line is you got to trust the math. People develop bad habits. I developed, I am developing a bad habit that I'm aware of right now. Um, yeah. And then just, uh, just to follow up on that, another thing is to, um, if you got, you're on a bad losing streak and if you don't have like a replenishable bankroll, it's to just make sure you resize down. Um, I mean, for me, I had a replenishable bankroll, but I acted like I didn't. So I resized down um, after, in June when I hit that really bad losing streak. And then it takes a lot longer, but you just don't want to lose everything uh, that you started with. Absolutely. That's that's pretty demoralizing to lose your whole bank and have to start over. Not that I haven't done that before, but... <laughs> <laughs> it is demoralizing. So have you learned anything else on your journey that you'd like to, to share with a, a new counter? Yeah. Who's starting out? Yeah. For somebody who's starting out, definitely make sure you network. Even if you pass, do a test out and you pass it or you pass all the training drills on the BJA training a Swede and you feel like you have a perfect game um, and, and then you're winning at the casinos, um, you should always assume that there's so much more information that you can learn um, from other people um, and, and to network and to see where they're playing. Um, and there's always tips to learn. You should never feel like you know everything because you, you, you never do. There's always something to pick up from somebody. Absolutely. Be humble. It's really easy to get cocky when you feel like you have this figured out and you look at your spreadsheet and you've won for years in a row or you know whatever. It's really easy to get cocky. Just be humble. I don't care who you are. Be humble. Yeah. And especially for the people that are just starting out and for myself still right now, I've only been doing this for about nine and a half months. Uh, to always stay humble and always try to pick up on something and learn because you just never know. Mm-hmm. Do you think this will be something you'll do for at least part time as a, a side hobby slash uh, side hustle for the rest of your life? Or do you have an end goal like, hey, I want to make money for a down payment at a house or you know, kids college tuition or whatever? What's your what's your future plans with uh, AP? Yeah, I think for me, what works best for me is just doing it part time. I've got a, a kid on the way here soon. Um, so the money definitely helps um, along with my full-time job um, and I got lucky um, even during COVID I get to work from home and yeah I mean in terms of goals it would just be a, a part-time hobby um, probably can't travel too much when the, when the kids here uh, want to spend as much time as possible uh, especially because it's the first baby too and yeah I mean uh, other than just doing it part-time um, and I think for the stress level as well I don't think I would be able to do a full-time gig and travel the country uh, and handle the negative swings, especially, uh, and bounce back and and, and go out there and, and keep trying to generate uh, EV doing it full time. Yeah, it definitely becomes a grind for sure. Uh, how does the how has it affected your relationship with your wife, your AP? Is she on board? Did you have to talk her into it? Did it take a while? I'm sure that big hit on the lucky ladies helped out when it, with the baby on the way, you know. But 
Yeah, no. So the the lucky ladies hit de- definitely helped out. Uh, she was happy with that. But when I first started, she was uh, surprisingly uh, very supportive. She knew that I was a dealer for a little bit when I graduated college and couldn't find a job, and I had friends that were dealers. So she knows like I know a little bit of like what's going on. And then I when she saw the BJ uh, training and how hard I was learning and just she was on the on the journey with me Mm -hmm. and then she saw the results and she knew it was something long term Um, I know that listening to other podcasts that the hardest thing is to get your wife or significant other on board because it, it, it takes it takes effect on them as well if I take a loss they they're always curious like how much money did you win or lose today um, and they, t- they take the hit just like I take the hit. Right. So they take it worse because they often don't understand the long run. So if you lose $10,000 on a trip or something, they're focused. You just lost $10,000. They're not focusing and they don't, they don't see the big picture. You get into N zero. They don't see all that stuff. They just see, yeah, they- you just lost $10,000, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> like they see if you come home and win 10,000 or 15 or 20 or whatever from the trip, they might see that too, but then they'll, re- but a lot of people just remember, yeah, but you lost $10,000. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, exactly. It, it's definitely harder to get over the losses, especially if you quantify it with wow, that $10,000 could have bought this or that, or that couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. could have bought our crib or, or the stroller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think, uh, I mean, for the most part, she's extremely supportive, but uh, you definitely uh, get that as well, uh, where she's like, damn, we could have bought something with that. Yeah, but it, I think it's got to be presented like it's an investment stock market. So you invest and yeah, maybe you're, maybe the stocks went down. Maybe the stock market crashed 900 points, let's just say. And then you lost a bunch of money on paper, but it's going to go back up eventually, hopefully. The same thing with, with your, your uh, blackjack business. But it, it is hard getting people on board because people are conditioned to think gambling is gambling and the house has the edge and you're a fool and you're going to lose and you're just fooling yourself. And it's cool that you're very lucky that you have your wife on board. And it's not just people's spouses, it's their whole entire family and friends try to do interventions and think that there's some gambling addict. They saw you in the casino or their friends saw you in the casino. First of all, what are they doing there? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was it was a lot easier for me just because uh, we still had our full-time jobs and then we set aside money. And then we told ourselves that, hey, if we lose this amount, then we're, we're, we're calling it quits type of deal. And luckily, in the beginning, I had some pretty good positive variants. Yeah, like you would with any business venture. Say you open a restaurant and it just doesn't work. You, you, you cut your losses and you move on, right? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else to add? Um, yeah, I mean, I think just think long term, um, grind it out. I mean, there's going to be sessions where it's just terrible. Like you feel the dealers getting a 21 every damn hand, every combination of 21, they're constantly hitting. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember like there was one shoe and another local place up north here where I lost $1,800 in one shoe. I was just devastated because I just won about $1,900 two days before that just to lose it all back uh, in 48 hours in one shoe in about 10 minutes to the dealer that I didn't even like because they they don't like me because I don't tip. So what are you going to do? I'm backed off from there. 2020 on Chinese New Year. And they had this promotion there. Okay, at midnight, they give you these these fortune cookies, right? And they each of them had like, you know, 
some pri- everyone everyone in there won some kind of prize anywhere from like a free appetizer to uh, $5 or $25 but there was uh-huh. a few that were like 500 and anyway I got a $1000 one so okay so oh, uh. the thing is you had to I'm sitting there playing blackjack they knew who the hell I was and the thing is you had to go to the cage with with your ID mm-hmm. and and the little the little coupon thing you got in your fortune cookie and tell them and then they gave you the cash that's how that's how they had it set up so I'm like, yeah. man, I, I I got this, and I'm like, fuck, I just won a thousand dollars. They're gonna immediately, be- they're gonna immediately kick me out if I give them my ID, because they're gonna uh-huh. know who, exactly who I am. Because I was never trespassed, but I was backed up there a few times, and none of the the management working there knew me. I no, they had no clue who I was. So I had this debate. So this there's this drunkish ploppy next to me, and I said, hey dude, I got a deal for you, a deal of a lifetime. I give you this coupon, you take it up to the cage, give your ID, they gave you a thousand, I'll give you 500 of it. He's like, why would you do that? And I'm like, uh, I can't really explain it at the table. I was like, I just don't want to go up there. He's all like, man, there's something, there's something, something fucking fishy about that. I, I'm not falling for it, which I don't blame him. I, I, I it sounds fishy. So I'm just sitting there. I'm playing a few hands. And then I go, I know what? Fuck it. If I lose this place, I lose this place. Mm-hmm. So I go up there, get the thousand bucks. You know, they gave you a thousand dollars cash. Cool. Or maybe it was chips. I don't remember. I think it was chip. And then uh, I go, go back, sit down, play about two hands and have a tap. Hey, we need to talk to you. Come here. <laughs> Enjoy your thousand dollars. Need to go. Type. <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah. Hey, at least you got the full thousand and have to take a $500 hit on it. Yeah. I hope all of you enjoyed that interview with Soju. I know I sure did. We'll have to have him on in the future episode for a little update on how his AP journey is going. So let me know what you guys think. Feel free to drop us an email at tens and aces, as in the word spelt out tens and aces, the number 21 at gmail.com. That's tens and aces, the number 21 at gmail.com. And we'll see you on the felt. Here's a few messages from our sponsors. Find your paradise. Go to visitlasvegas.com. By the fact that you're listening to a podcast about blackjack and advantage play. It's clear that you're interested in this topic and most likely interested in becoming the best blackjack player you can become. Now, I suppose there are exceptions to this. Like, for example, maybe you're an uninterested significant other trapped in the car listening to this. Or maybe you're a kid trapped in the car forced to listen to this because your phone is dead and you can't tune out the world with your headphones in like you normally would. And by the way, kids, I apologize for all the F-bombs that I've dropped on this show. Please don't follow my example. Or maybe, just maybe, you don't like money and you want to continue to play blackjack and not make your game better. If you happen to fall in any of those categories, by all means, tune out and don't listen to a word that I have to say right here. But if you want to learn how to be the best blackjack player you can be, learn and grow your game, I suggest you check out blackjackapprenticeship.com. They offer what is, in my opinion, not only a world-class education on the game of blackjack, but the absolute best education you can find. 
anywhere for this game. They offer online training drills, a supportive community, as well as other exclusive tools that are critical to your success. Even if you already know the ins and outs of this game and don't really need the training they offer per se. That's great. I'm kind of in that boat myself and I imagine there are several others of you that are as well. So even for people like us, just the opportunities and networking alone that this site offers is worth the price of admission and then some. I also can't stress enough that it is a wonderful and supportive community of other APs. There's almost no trolling in the forums there. So once again, I urge you to check out blackjackapprenticeship.com if you're serious about growing your game. 